1: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
0: 97.1 FM Talk Podcast.
2: You're listening to Ride at Home with Rich. And now, here's your host, Rich Orris. Good Saturday afternoon and welcome to Ride at Home with Rich. I'm your host, Rich Orris, and today is Concrete Day. All day, we got a full hour for you. All the information you'll ever need about concrete, we have it right here, right now. Our main topic is going to be, you know, what should you do to maintain your concrete through winter and before winter? But we can also touch on all types of concrete, different finishes, when can you install it, all of that and more. Plus, stay with us for my On the Road with Rich segment and my hack every week, you do not want to miss that. But today, this is going to be fun. Joining me here today is my good friend Larry O'Harver with B&W Concrete. Boy, Larry, it's sure been a hot minute since I've had you on the radio with everything going on and COVID and all of that. So glad to have you back. How are you doing today? Uh, doing good. It's good to be back on your show. Yeah, no, awesome. It's it's always you know such a popular topic. Everybody always has questions about concrete and what's happening and what's going on. So for starters, can you just kind of remind everybody about your background in the industry, what you've done, where you've been, and, and how did you find your way to you and w know, Concrete? I started out in the commercial world doing structural concrete.
3: As a matter of fact, I started that between my junior and senior year. My dad was going to try to teach me. You don't want to do that but i'm a slow learner (laughs) so i did that and then got tired of the commercial world and went off into residential and during my commercial days i realized that some things was so over designed that it would tear itself apart and when i got into residential it blew my mind that this stuff could just fall apart yeah so we kind of designed it, you know, married to two worlds on a cost-effective uh, install that would hold up for the customer and still be cost-effective because you never save enough money to do it twice. And then uh, B&W and my company worked together and gained a lot of respect for each other, and they decided to start a flight work division back in 2011. Okay. So they bought
2: me out, and here I am. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, I I love kind of what you brought up because, you know, I've, I've always kind of explained to people when I'm seeing them and we're talking about concrete or advising about concrete, or if I'm just recommending you guys say, yep, you know what, if that's all you need, you just got to get with Larry. But, you know, I'm kind of more like, okay, think of them as the Mosby building arts of the concrete world. You know, you want to give good advice. You want the best options. You want to build it right. You're looking for lasting value, high quality, all those things that, you know, that's what we love about you guys. And that's why we once we got you in our world, we're like, oh, my gosh, this is the ticket. You know, they know what's going on. They'll do what we want. They'll work with us and advise back, you know, when we're looking at something and, and maybe there's a better way or a different way. You know, you guys will literally advise back like, whoa, wait a minute, you know. This might cost a little more, but I'm telling you right now, this is what's going to really help this situation and really make, you know, get that lasting value Mosby's looking for. Well, a lot of people won't do stuff like that because they're worried about either not getting it or it costs too much or, you know, and not necessarily delivering the right thing. So thank you. And I love you guys for being that way. And I tell absolutely everybody about it. Um, but so for BMW, how long have they been in business overall? Mike started in seventy
3: three. Okay, foundation division, and mm-hmm. they do a lot of lot of foundations. They do a lot of subdivision work. We really don't, just because you know we can't cut corners on track homes. It seems like that's the, the weak link on with a lot of production builders. Um, we are a good team, most being BMW. Because a lot of home remodeling companies, they put it out for a bid and go with the cheapest bid and hope it works out for their customer. Oh, yeah. And it's just not that way with Mosby and B&W.
2: So I appreciate that. No, that's awesome. And that is the goal. It's like, you know, let's figure this out up front. Let's know the best thing and, you know, figure out a way to get through it. And, you know, kind of what what I always kind of refer to it as when I'm, when I'm speaking with clients and stuff is, you know the 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 option to say no you know you can find out up front what it truly takes and say oh you know maybe i need to wait maybe we need to break this up maybe we need to do it like this but when you get that lower cost track home let's just put thing in let's just they're they're focused on cost they're taking lowest bids You know, what I see all the time is then they get out there and they're like, oh, well, we didn't notice this. We should really do this or that with it. And those costs start to escalate through change orders as they're doing it, which to me starts to eliminate that option to say no, because you're in the middle of it. You know, if you find out there's a better way to do your driveway after it's torn out, what do you do? You know, like, do you just go, well, I can't afford that. Do it the other way. It probably won't last or it probably won't work, you know. So being able to educate, you know, with your guys' assistance is totally great and totally awesome, you know, how we can figure out the best things to happen and everything, which I would say is going to take me right into a conversation with you for my On the Road with Rich segment. So kind of about doing – figuring out the best way to handle something – on site, you know, before it's done talking about it. And I'm talking about my house, not just a client's house. Usually I'm talking about, we go to a client's house, we meet them, we figure these things out. Well, I had my own issue at my house with street creep. I'm sure probably hard for you to forget. And Mm -hmm. I called you up. I said, Oh man, my steps broken. It's lifting up the streets, pushing, you know, we had done the kind of correction at the sidewalk, but that doesn't always take care of it a hundred percent. And it doesn't always, sometimes that'll even close in after years anyways. But, you know, so I brought you out and said, all right, what can we do to this, you know, concrete sidewalk and step to try and reassure that this doesn't, you know, happen again, if this street's kind of doing this. And, you know, you came up with that idea of, well, let's just make the top sidewalk and it described to everybody i got about eight feet of sidewalk steps up one step and i got about five more feet of sidewalk before it gets to the steps on the front porch so your idea was let's lengthen that section a foot put it on top of the lower section get some plastic underneath there and and give it the opportunity to to push into the underneath instead of it and you know there you go. I don't even remember when we did that. It was what, probably four or five years ago. Haven't had an issue with it, but came up with the best solution that really helped out. And, you know, I think that is what we love about you guys and why I bring you to all those walkthroughs and stuff to make sure that we're coming up with, you know, great ideas and great thoughts. And so Hey guys, on the road with Rich today, came to my personal house, but we can do that at your house too, figuring all this stuff out. But so Larry, what I really probably wanted to kind of get into here, you know, the main thing we, we kind of wanted to touch on was, it's fall, boy it's a beautiful day, love it, um, the temperatures are dropping, we're going to be able to sit outside and do some nice things and everything, but before we know it winter's going to be here. You know, so let's kind of touch on maintenance. Um, what should we be doing to our concrete, you know, prior to winter? It's very important to seal it. Most people don't. They
3: just want to complain about the performance of their concrete. Yeah. And I do expect a really bad winter this winter. Uh, oh, well, I don't want okay. one. I expect one. The um a bad seal job is worse than no seal job because there's holes in the armor. The contaminants, salt, fertilizer get in there, but there's not enough clean water to dilute it, so it really falls apart. Can't 20% pores by nature, so it sucks up all this moisture. It's like a big 150-pound, a cubic foot sponge. Oh, yeah. And then the excess moisture escapes in the form of vapor through the surface. So, a typical Midwest winter, we have an average of 72 freestyle cycles. Typically, we get a lot of moisture, turns off cold. That slab is saturated with water and wants to break it apart. So, seal out the surface moisture, but use a good, breathable sealer that will allow the moisture to come out of it. It won't reduce all the pop-outs, but it won't eliminate them, but it will greatly reduce them. Yeah, so, do you want to talk about the types of sealers and finishes, or you want to get to that later?
2: No, no, we could do that. Let's get into the types of those sealers as far as, um, you know, is there different types for different types of concrete finishes, things like that? What's going on with that? Absolutely.
3: Light brush finished concrete, you do not want to enhance the color variances. So, I don't like using a surface sealer on that. I like to use a penetrating sealer. A penetrating sealer sets up at the surface, not above the surface, so you're good for at least five years. As far as exposed aggregate, you want to enhance the color variances yeah. to show off your decorative rocks. So we use a good surface sealer on that. It's called a Pebble Sheen. And then on stamped concrete, you also want to enhance your color variances. Yeah. So we use a product called Trinic on that but all of them will protect your concrete. You can still get a uh, surface stain, but it comes off because it's not a, a deep stain.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, you were kind of mentioning a minute ago about, you know, installing it correctly or, or you know, sealed poorly could be just as ineffective or whatever as, and I, and I got to tell you, I, I had a, a client I saw Year, year, some years ago, five, six, seven years ago, that his concrete looked fine. And he, he said he had a problem with the sealer. And I'm like, well, you know, okay, what is the problem? And he had this company come seal it, and they spilt the sealer. They, like, dropped the bucket. And you couldn't even see it because it was, you know, in the pour stuff, whatever. But he threw a bucket of water on the driveway and it looked like it was the craziest thing I ever saw like you could see where they dumped that bucket of sealer on his driveway and of course the end result was you know it just kind of let it wear off we talked about trying to get it out of there and do all this and I'm like you know you only see it when it's wet but you know yeah it's a it, it really brought my attention to the fact that Yeah, you got to focus on how you get this stuff installed because too much, too little, you know, how does that affect the concrete? Well,
3: a lot of homeowners, they think because the sealer, the surface sealer isn't shiny anymore, that it's not performing. And the fact of the matter is the thicker they get that on there, the faster the UV rays break it down and it's not shiny anymore. The problem is you get it too thick, the concrete can't breathe. Yeah, so all that moisture is stuck underneath, causes a whiteout condition, and then you know you have surface yeah. Feller, failure. Yeah,
2: and I've I've so seen that whiteout condition where yeah it's you know they're just stacking it or, or they think they need to do it every year and they're just keep keep applying keep applying that sort of thing. So yeah, there is a lot to getting it on proper, all of that all of that stuff. So how do you tell when you need to reseal? Surface sealer is really pretty easy. I can go
3: out there and just kind of visually look at it and see if it needs resealed or not. I can do a water test, and that's usually what I do on a penetrating sealer because it does not change the appearance or the texture of the concrete. So I dump water on it, soaks into the concrete, obviously needs resealed. Um, yeah, if it rolls off then they're good. When it comes to a surface sealer, I look at a lot of jobs and the people's like, yeah, this needs resealed. And I'm like, there's too much sealer on it. You know, look at it for three years and then call me, you know, let it wear down. Because I have had, I've had good success stripping sealer. It's very expensive. Yes. And it's a mess. But I've never had a successful seal job behind it because it's like impossible to get that residue off. And so it's better just to let it wear down and then reseal it.
2: Yep, absolutely. And, and yeah, we had a client of mine that we were doing that with. I think it was three years before he ended up actually going to seal the concrete, but we kind of just took a peek at it every year for him. So, hey, um, we're going to get into our first break. I want to remind everybody, stay here for my hack. And also, after we do the hack, we can talk about expansion joints, control joints. You know, what do we do with that type of stuff Also, so, hey, guys, hang in there, and we will be right back after these messages.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: And now, here's Rich's Right at Home Hack. All right, guys, we are back. And you heard the man. Time for Rich's Right at Home Hack. And I got to tell you, it's a little early, but I thought I would cover why you should shovel your concrete, even if you're not going to use it. And, you know, Larry, we were just talking about it, you know, the freeze thaw cycles throughout the year. So let's just say it snows like four inches and that insulates the concrete. It's all good and well, everything's great. But then the next afternoon, it warms up, everything starts to melt, sun comes out, it runs all that water right down to your concrete. Of course, By 9, 10 o'clock at night, it's dark, it's below freezing, everything refreezes inside of the pores of the concrete. It does that every night, time and time again, until that snow completely melts away, which could be eight days, 10 days, something like that, if you're really not touching it. So, think of those concrete pores as like a soda can. You put it in your freezer it's going to explode as that expands. That's what's going to happen inside the pores of the concrete, causing all of that damage to the surface. You know, we see the same thing with roofs. We changed how we do roofs because water runs uphill. It freezes, it grows, it gets up behind the shingles and and then gets in. So we do different ice damming protection and stuff on roofs. It's changed everything when things freeze. So Go ahead and shovel your front walks or your driveways, even if you're not going to be leaving your house. It's a great idea. And remember, you can always search Rich Orris Mosby on Facebook or LinkedIn to hear these hacks every single week. So for now, Larry, let's get back into um, kind of that maintenance because we kind of went over the ceiling and what should happen and um, the different types. But when you get to control joints, And then, obviously, expansion joints that run all the way through the concrete. What's the thought, what's the maintenance on those two type of joints that we should be doing? A control joint,
3: it's nice to be able to caulk that. Most people don't want to spend the money. So as long as the ends are open, it's fine. Now, you do have a hairline crack at the bottom of that control joint, like I said, it's best to caulk it, but yeah. you're not going to get that much water in there. Expansion joints very important, especially with the uh, fiber expansion because it deteriorates really quick. So yes. you're inviting water underneath that slab immediately. We use rubber. So it stays in there, seals it up, you know, and if the people want to caulk it, they can always router it out and you know,
2: caulk it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what about, you know, we're caulking the stuff, we're getting it sealed up, we're doing everything. What about ice melt, and what does road salt do to concrete throughout the winter? Eats the top off of it.
3: Kind of going back to you talking about shoveling snow. Nobody enjoys it. Yeah. But when they don't I shovel don't. it, <laughs> they throw it into more freestyle cycles. Because like you said, it's getting saturated more in the daytime while it's stalling. Because it insulates concrete, ground temperature's coming up, melting from underneath. The sun goes down, it refreezes. So you threw it into another freeze-thaw cycle. A lot of people think it's a half inch of snow, they'll take care of it with ice melt. Well, they're killing their concrete because there's a lot of moisture It actually caused a thaw cycle. And then there's puddles, refreezes that night,
2: and it really tears things up. Yeah, and, and if you get a few inches of snow, you're basically melting what's underneath, helping it become water during the day, and then you know refreezing at night again once you know all the has gone or whatever. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to you know control that and get everything off of it and you know do that. And there's neighborhood kids, right? You have. Right. You have, used do the neighborhood kids shovel snow anymore? I, I don't think so. I don't know that they do. I don't know. You never know. But if you have some, maybe try and figure out if, uh, if they'll help you out. So, um, got one other question about putting, actually installing concrete in kind of cold weather. So, what are the limits here? Can you install concrete in cold weather?
3: It happens every year. We get forced to install it when it's probably not the best time you always have that day that it's above freezing and there's admixtures that you can put in the concrete to help it set up my problem with that is it takes concrete 28 days to cure and when it gets thrown into vicious freeze thaw cycles before it's had a chance to cure i don't think it's a quality product that we would like to see However, you know, people's in a hurry. They don't want to lose the lock on their loan and do it. And we've been pretty fortunate, but I try to be as clear as I can that I don't recommend it, but I can't understand that you can't wait.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And so is it ever too hot to install concrete? Yes, it
3: is. We've managed it. This year wasn't that bad trying to remember back around 2012 or something, we had that heat wave with low humidity. We're Mm -hmm. used to heat, but not used to low humidity. And we was very proactive. And there's a product out called a hydration stabilizer. And it basically puts the concrete to sleep for X amount of time. So it's like we're pouring fresh concrete. You know, it just got batched when it gets to the job. Yeah. It buys us some time. And then there's a product called Aquafilm that we can spray on the top. It stays there for 45 minutes to basically keep that moisture in. So we have to adjust our mix design, and you know, be smart about it. Go with smaller loads because you know, let's face it: if we only pour during prime concrete pouring temperatures, we would work about five weeks out of the year.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> but we try to do everything we can, you know, and make sure the mix is right. Another thing that helps, I'm not a big fan of fiber mesh for reinforcement. I don't think you can replace steel with fiberglass. But this whole summer, we've been pouring all our exterior with fiber just to control that
2: plastic shrinkage crack in oh, yeah. the first 24 hours. Oh, that's yeah, that's a great idea because yeah, I was going to ask about that later. So I'm glad... You brought that up. And, you know, something else you brought up kind of during the break, you know, about, like, the builders doing whole subdivisions, neighborhoods, stuff like that, and talking about your house. And, you know, my house, um, I have one of the same things going on that when they poured the whole basement floor, they didn't put any control joints in that basement floor I anywhere that I could find. But I got these angled cracks opening up and and stuff happening off all the corners of the foundation where it turns and off all the posts, you know, where they go through and stuff. And, you know, typically you want to put in specific control joints and stuff. Um, You want to touch on some of the stuff you were having go on in, in, you know, your home where they had the concrete in before you bought it. Yeah, with me being a concrete
3: guy, it drives me crazy every time I look at it. I'll bet. (laughs) No control joints in the basement, so you know what's happening. The no control joints in the garage, so random cracks, and it always comes off those outside corners of the foundation, which creates yep. an inside corner in your slab. Uh, control joint is just a weak spot in the concrete, if you will, a thin spot to allow for a controlled crack. Now, concrete don't always listen to us. Sometimes you'll get a crack outside of it, but it's very important to be as proactive as you can to control the cracking. Expansion joints are very uh, important because you can't pour a slab of concrete between two locked structures because the concrete has to have a chance to move around a little bit because it does move with their freeze-thaw cycles. My house, one of the big problems, they poured between a concrete curb and gutter and the garage foundation solid. No expansion joints. So I already have some fractures, stress fractures, caused by the street creep. Now, eventually, yeah. you know that that will push on through the foundation, but we're going to get it corrected.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it is amazing when they're just, you know, lowest bid, get through it, pour the stuff, don't really look at the best thing, um, stuff like that. And I tell you, you know, um, I know out in O'Fallon, Missouri, by me, They actually started requiring permits for the driveways because we, like you're talking, I mean, we have driveways out there in these track home subdivisions that literally in eight years, it looks like exposed aggregate. It's so chewed up and beat up and just... No surface whatsoever. I've seen people like literally replacing driveways 8 to 12 years into buying a house. And I mean, really, you know, I my first home I ever bought in Florissant still had the same driveway when I bought it. And it was like from like 56 or something. And I bought it in like, you know, middle like 1995 or six or something like what, you know, I got like a 40 year driveway and these other people are like, I get eight years out of this. Isn't that fun? You know, who wants to do that? So they're actually making people do better concrete with better stuff in it. And and all of that, you know, in order to, they're saying, how's this going to be? What are you putting in it? Show us. Because they're just tired of everything falling apart and, and not, not lasting. So um, we can touch on some of that a little bit more in, in our next segment. Um, I also wanted to get through just some common questions with you that I hear from clients about, you know, when they're asking about concrete and just kind of get your opinion on that. But I also wanted to remind all our listeners out there, kind of let them know something new that's going on. We've got kind of Ask Rich Anything thing going on here where you can basically go to my Facebook. If you search Rich Oris Mosby and just get to my professional page, ask any question and I will answer it on the air the following Saturday for you guys. So anything about your house, just ask me a question. And in the next segment too, I think... I've got a question that came in this week from that, and we'll get to that as well. But again, search Rich Oris Mosby on Facebook. Make sure it's my professional page. If you go to where you see me in Florida and stuff, go find the one that says Mosby after it. You'll notice it very easily. Ask me anything about your house. We're going to keep this going probably for eternity. So keep coming back. Keep asking questions about the house, and then we'll get them answered for you every Saturday. The following Saturday, until then, we'll be right back after this.
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
4: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medella is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: You're listening to Ride at Home with Rich. And now, here's your host, Rich Horace. All right, guys. We are back, and I'm sitting here with... Larry O'Harver with B&W Concrete. We've been going over everything concrete, you know, different solutions. What should you do? Maintenance, how to install, all the different stuff to it. And, you know, Larry, so you were mentioning during the break, again, you know, we were kind of talking about the codes and, you know, how some places are, are going to start changing, but it's going to take years and years and not having codes for... You know flat work and concrete and stuff outside you know what a shame that kind of is and so what does that do for people and you know what do you see out there well i see a lot
3: that the, the people have a very nice home you know it was all inspected The builder did a great job good house with good bones but the flat work is the weak spot on it because there aren't codes in a lot of areas that don't get inspected the only thing that gets inspected is the 12 feet intersecting the street. Yeah. And a lot of times that doesn't get inspected. Or you wonder if it did when we tear them out, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and that's a big part of our business is tear out and replace. But if people install it correctly the first time, yes, concrete takes a beating sitting outside, getting drove on, going through free stall cycles. But it really should hold up 30 years like you was talking about earlier. Yeah. And so many times it it doesn't. And so I would welcome the codes because it, if everybody's abiding by the rules, all of a sudden the bids are going to start coming in
2: a lot more in line. Yeah, and you know what? That's one of my, the top question I get, and I try and answer all the time and everything, for clients is you know they're always like, okay, I got three concrete quotes, and I mean to tell you, it's from two thousand to twelve thousand. You know, it's not in like like how what is. What causes some of that difference? Because I know the different concrete and the mixtures. Can you just kind of explain what would even cause a big price difference or what would cause one concrete truck that pulls up to be less expensive or more expensive than the same truck, you know, across the street with the same amount of concrete? Well, I will try to cut a long story short, but Mm -hmm. that is a good
3: subject. I have customers call me and ask me to compare the bids. Well, some of the bids, there's not even a square footage listed. So how do, I, how do you compare apples to apples? He might be pouring 800 square feet, yeah. and we're doing 1,600 square feet. They don't, put, they don't tell how much base rock they're putting in. And, and that's huge because not only for the performance of the driveway, but it's a big expense because we have to take out material, pay a dump truck to go get rid of it, and dump it, yeah. and bring back rock. So you have labor, and there's an investment there. The uh, thickness of the concrete, is very important, you know. Math does not lie. Four inches on a tape measure is four inches on a tape measure. Not three inches, not two and a half. I've seen it all. Um, And as far as mixed designs go, all concrete is not not created equal. I could get concrete a whole lot cheaper than I get it, but one, I have a conscience, so I want to do every customer right. Secondly, I'm the complaint department, and I like to keep that to a minimum. So if I am placing the best product available to me, yeah. um, it cuts down on the complaints. And Makes sense. the, uh, you know, satisfied customers, you know, they'll tell their friends about it. A dissatisfied customer will tell their friends about it. The other thing is the aggregates that go into concrete. The CMS is just a glue that holds the aggregates together. But, you know, an inferior aggregate, you know, that's one reason you're saying that eight years old and the top's going off the concrete. Yeah. A lot of that is pop-outs from a highly porous rock getting saturated with moisture. The concrete wasn't sealed and just blows the top off the concrete when that rock explodes because it freezes, like a soda can in the freezer, like he was talking about. The other thing is, you know, salt damage will cause that, too. A lot of builders want to, well, not so much anymore. Everybody's trying to shave every nickel they can, but a cure-and-seal product. I do not like them because, yes, it cleans up easier when they close the house, but the only thing that guarantees is you will never have a successful seal job because it wears off in the high-traffic areas. The other areas, it does not. And then when you put a good sealer on, it's binding to the inferior sealer. So I always tell people, just wait 28 days. We'll come back, clean it, yeah. dry it, and seal it right.
2: Yeah, no, that seems absolutely so important, you know, to, to make that really, you know, last. And like you said, it's an investment. Well, what I always try to explain to people, you know, you do more rock, you do this, but it's a lasting investment. You know, it's, it's gonna last so much better than, you know, something, and I'm, I've seen them where, um, and I've had you do them, where, you know, we, we have to kind of question. We're like, well, we don't know how much base is down there, and we might not know till we tear this out. There's no, you know, how do you really tell how much rock is underneath it? And we, you guys started tearing it up, and it's dirt. It was straight on dirt. A swamp is what it was. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> and the job you was talking
3: about, I believe we uh, put 12 inches base rock underneath of it, you know, to yeah. get through the soft stuff. Um, you know, but back to the comparing bids, where some people's two thousand, other people's twelve. You would not believe the people that have called me, and either gave the person a deposit and they never showed up, or yeah. the people didn't pay for the materials. So you know, you gotta be very careful when you hire a contractor, and make sure you're hiring a professional, because concrete is an investment. It's either a good investment or a bad investment. Installed yes. properly, it's a good one. Installed improperly, it's a bad one they're going to have to do it again.
2: Yep. Well, and it's an imperfect thing that you have to manage. Um, you know, when you put it in, how you put it in the different things that you do, like you were talking about, I had the same thing, you know, you were talking about your, your porch, you know, has fall, but it dips down so much that it still holds water. And, you know, I, I had the same thing in my garage where basically I just bought a two foot wide squeegee on a stick and I kept it in the corner of the garage by the door. And I, I, all the time when bad rains or snow or different things, and we, I would just have to like literally just run the squeegee and throw all that out onto the driveway to get it out of my garage. Yep. You know, and it's like, oh, what a hassle. Like, you know, what are you guys doing? Think about how you, you put this together, you know, and how you do it. So, yeah, some good codes you know, to welcome that and make sure and protect that would be a good thing. And that's what all those those codes are for, um, is just to protect everybody. Um, so can you touch real quick on, you know, different ways to reinforce? That's one of the questions I get all the time, too, is like, well, what's the best way to reinforce the concrete underneath when you do like a driveway or something like that or patio? Well, there's different methods of reinforcing concrete based
3: upon what we're dealing with. Like, we tear out a lot of garage floors for you guys. And when we do, you know, we tear it out, we put in clean rock to bring it up to grade, we can pack that. However, a lot of garage, especially the house side of it, you know, eight foot deep foundation, it's not cost effective to tear that out or or to dig all that up and replace it. So, you know, we need to bridge that overdig. So, in case there's any more settling. So, we do half-inch diameter rebar dialed into the foundation on 16 or 24-inch centers, depending on the application. Sometimes, we run a grade beam down the center, you know, because rebar will only span so far. You're basically, you know, creating a reinforced concrete beam. At the garage foundation, I like to underpin to protect the driveway from settling at the garage doors. And then... I think that wire mesh, uh, you know, 10-gauge minimum. Uh, We use 6-gauge a lot when there's soil problems down deep. And, you know, I think that's better protection than rebar for several reasons. One, you have protection every 6 inches each way. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, we've been talking about control joints. A true control joint is at least 20%, preferably 25% of your concrete thickness to create that weak spot. That's where I want you to crack. Yes. So yeah. on a four-inch thick driveway, if you're using half-inch diameter rebar, at your laps, you're one inch. There's twenty-five percent of your thickness. So you have a chance of this thing looking like a checkerboard. So it kind of goes back to what I was saying about the commercial world. It's so overdesigned it falls apart. You know, so basically just taking all the rules of thumb and flat work. You know you can't have a slab over one and a half times long as it is wide, or it's going to even itself up, or over 144 square foot of 12 by 12 on an exterior slab. It's the same thing on your control joints and your reinforcing. You do not like a lot of porches that we do for you guys. We put half inch diameter rebar on 16 inch centers each way, but we pour them things five inches thick. That way, you know it's not going to fall again, but yeah. it's also not going to look
2: like a checkerboard. Awesome. Awesome. So, hey, real quick, I want to get out there for everybody. Uh, Again, I want to put out there that, you know, we've got the, you can ask Rich anything about your house out there. So go to my Facebook, look up, just search Rich Oris Mosby. It'll take you right to my professional page. Ask me any questions about your house. And I wanted to answer one real quick here at the end because... We got our first question asking about is there any hack for adjusting a pop-up drain rod on a faucet um, if you don't have three hands and you can't reach and do it and if you're talking about you know you got to try and hold that pop-up rod off that faucet a little bit as you adjust it i would wrap a rubber band around it set it on there at the height you want then you can do your adjustments underneath. And once you got it there, you can just take a razor knife, cut that rubber band away, and you'll have that sitting at your right height and everything. And that way, when you push it down, it will actually raise that pop-up all the way up as high as you want it so the sink will drain really, really well. So that was the first Ask Rich Anything question. Again, go to my Facebook, search me, ask anything about your house. And I will answer it the following Saturday for you live on the air. And so, uh, Larry, hey, we had a lot of fun. we got to do this again. Got a ton of questions left still. We could probably go another hour. But I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Hey, no problem. I love it. And for everybody else, I'll talk to you next week.
0: Get more at 971talk.com.